welcome to the Tin Lounge. You've stumbled on one of our short episodes called The Mini Bar, where we discuss a current relevant topic pertaining to the travel industry. I'm Teresa, owner of Get Out Custom Travels and creator of Fam With Intention. And I'm Corrine, creator of Travel Biz Boss and co-owner of Journey's Travel Company. We won't let you leave without some headlines, so stay with us until the end for excess baggage. So I recently returned from a quote-unquote Spain immersion, which is what this representation company that I traveled with, Wonderlux Collections, calls their fams. Because the way Mm. they ran their fams, it's not jam-packed like a typical fam is. You know, they represent certain hotels within the destination, but the organizer, she gave us so much flexibility in terms of free time to really get to know the destination well. Because her thing is, you're not going to sell a particular destination, you know, for one specific hotel. Like sometimes it's a really cool hotel that you might do something like that, but people are not like, oh, I want to stay in XYZ hotel. And so I'm going to make this huge trip down to this one specific destination. So during that uh, experience, it was super fun. Um, I learned so much, but I extended the experience by a few nights so I could see Madrid. So I was, it was Barcelona and Sevilla with the group. And then I extended into Madrid because after the quarter one experience that I had, I'm like, I think I need to take some time and do something unfamiliar to me to just open up my brain and help me reconnect with myself and mm-hmm. to do some solo traveling, which I used to do very often prior to being in the industry. But I feel like I had lost some of that courage because a lot mm-hmm. of the trips that I, that, you know, once we get into the industry, a lot of trips that we take, it's with an organized group. Some advisors might do their own fams and travel for, you know, one or two months at a time, which is amazing. But for me, I'm just like, you know, I feel like I need this time to just become more creative and do things that are so out of the box for me and out of my comfort zone. So I I love it. I think I I was very successful (laughs) in that. I have uh, extended trips like that many times so that I could get a little few days solo, excuse me. And I always love it. It's a great way to wind down and, after focusing on whatever the group plans are, you can just focus on doing whatever you want to do for a few days. I love it. I also needed a little break after Q1. So I went to, I did not go alone. Tracy and I went to Mexico city from Friday to Monday and I did not bring a laptop. And that was (laughs) the strangest sensation for me. I have not traveled in at least a decade, probably more anywhere without a laptop. And I did not check my emails. I truly took the weekend off. We had spa treatments. We had rooftop dinners. We did went to Xochimilco, partied down there. like, And everything was fine. Everything yeah. was just fine. I had it all set up. My out-of-office said what I was doing. It said how to reach me if you did have an emergency. Nobody did. It was just fine. Yeah. And I feel like doing experiences like that, it really helps us get out of our regular routine, which Mm -hmm. after a while can really bog us down. And so one of the things that I have read and learned is to 
If you are a recovering perfectionist, which I feel like a lot of us are, one way to help get you out of that headspace is to do things that you're not sure or you're guaranteed to not be good at. So Uh um, I haven't ventured as far as actually playing sports. So that's probably not going to happen. Um, But in terms of, you know, out of the box experiences, when I was in Spain, I took a flamenco class in Sevilla. It was a one hour flamenco class, super fun. Um, And then when I was in Madrid, I took a leather making workshop. And when I tell you that I, I don't know what it is about making something, you know, like people are just like, oh, I de-stress by going to the gym and great. But I love the whole creating something and crafting something because you Mm -hmm. have something to show at the end of it all. And while you are doing the actual activity, you are present in that moment. Like I had to focus on the stitches that I was doing. I had to focus on the task at hand. And it was a really great exercise to be more mindful of being in the moment. And I think that's what I need to keep in mind as now that I'm back home and back working to maybe look to create something where I can be mindful in the moment and just focus on what I'm doing versus worrying about future things or thinking about work or anything like that, just to clear my mind. Absolutely. I recently bought a crochet hook and some yarn and some embroidery stuff because I used to do stuff like that all the time. Mm -hmm. And what I like doing is making things to give to other people. That makes me feel so much better typically than like a store-bought gift or something, something from the heart. But then I, that is absolutely when I get to that Zen point is when I'm working on something like that. I have to be really focused in the moment. I can't, Mm -hmm. my brain can't really wander. I have to be counting stitches or paying attention, you know. So I agree a hundred percent. And then the sense of pride that you have when you're finished, you know, you just, you guys, Teresa just was like, (laughs) hold on a second. I got to show you something. She left and she came back and showed me like, look what I made. And it's awesome. So, I mean, you can't replace that feeling. Yeah. Super proud of it. Especially since I had zero experience with making anything like leather related or stitching or whatever, Whatever it was that I learned in that workshop, it was just a really great time. And then the sense of accomplishment afterwards. And I feel like that's what I needed was just to be like, okay, I can do things that I am not sure about. Like I can make it through. That's right. That's for dang sure. (laughs) Um, Well, I think you did a great job. It looks amazing. I don't understand why you didn't make two and one for me, but (laughs) whatever. (laughs) Well, before we jump into our discussion this week, we want to give a shout out to our podcast network, Trav Market Media. Head on over to Trav Market Media, where you can find other amazing podcasts to grow and build your business. First up is an article from Travel Market Report on five great dude ranches travel advisors should know about. And so recently, and when I say recently, that was like two days ago, I started watching Yellowstone, which is a, a show that so my favorite guilty pleasure. <laughs> so I recently started because I, I was on the flight and they had Yellowstone as their TV as part of one of their, their TV series. 
that was available. And, you know, I can only watch Legally Blonde so many times on one flight. That's my go-to, like, movie on a flight. I don't care how many times I've seen it. But I was like, you know what? Let me just start Yellowstone and see how things go because everyone raves about it. And I am so hooked. So Mm -hmm. hooked. That flight went by so fast because I was just like, next, next, next. And so this is something that would be a really fun tie-in, especially if people are really big Yellowstone fans and they want to be out in the open prairie. None of the violence, of course, but like the horseback riding and like being in, in, you know, basically out in the wild frontier, the wild west. Um, So this article talks about five dude ranches and some people call them guest ranches um, that might be something to present to your clients and something to know about. So experiential travel is on the rise and a lot of clients are looking for trip ideas beyond relaxing poolside at a beach resort. And this is where the dude ranch comes in. And so typically when people look at dude ranches, they'll think, oh, it's only for people who love riding horses. Right. Which is not the case because there are so many more activities at these ranches that are outside of horseback riding. And a lot of times these ranches are located on huge swaths of land. So there's Mm -hmm. usually some kind of Creek or river trails. So people can go fishing, can go hiking, all this fun stuff, spas, high end lodging, good food. Um, So the first ranch on the list for advisors to know about is the Tanque Verde Ranch in Tucson, Arizona. And this particular ranch was founded in 1921. It's an old school working cow ranch that has developed into a luxury resort. It's located on a 640 acre property near Saguaro National Park. And guests can take riding classes and trail rides and beginning beginners and advanced riders will have a really great time uh, galloping or slowly walking. Um, or if you're like me, not getting on a horse whatsoever, um, <laughs> so- I'll be... I'll be by the fire. I'll like, be at the spa. Yeah, and at the spa. I'll be next to the fire, like, making my cowboy coffee. Um, but besides horseback riding, um, guests on the all-inclusive packages can sign up for activities such as mountain biking, fishing, four-wheeling, tennis, yoga, archery, riflery, and even silversmithing workshops. <gasps> That's so- for you. That's for me, the new crafts. I just want to be useful. I want to be useful during our post-apocalyptic world. So I can make you a leather passport cover. (laughs) And perhaps do some silversmithing after you go to the Tonkin Verde Ranch. Yes, exactly. Who knows? Who knows how that will come in handy? You never know. I was going to mention that... um, the, a lot of these dude ranches have all-inclusive packages. It's mm-hmm. kind of the closest thing to an all-inclusive experience you're going to get in the U.S. Because there's no all-inclusive beach resorts. But a lot of these do have lots of activities, food, drinks, all that stuff included. Mm-hmm. But definitely you got to check. The second ranch on the list is in Santa Barbara, California. It is the Alisal Ranch. This is in the scenic Santa Inez Santa. I feel like, do I even live in Mexico? Santa Ynez Valley outside of Santa Barbara. It has 
played host to Hollywood stars since the ranch opened for guests in 1946. It is a 10,000-acre property. They have 50 miles of trails for both horseback riding and hiking, with additional activities including spa services, fishing, tennis, biking, pickleball, of course, golf on their 18-hole course, swinging on their treetop ropes course, and excursions to nearby wine country. They host special events like barbecue boot camps, which give guests a multi-day crash course in the finer points of barbecuing. That sounds fun. The Wild Wonder Women's Focus Getaway in October, ranch cookout events led by guest chefs, and a spiritual retreat focused on the healing powers of animal interaction. But the core activity at Alisal has always been horseback riding. They have lessons, private rides, group excursions, and even weekly rodeos led by staff with participation from intermediate and advanced rider guests who can join a team cattle sorting competition. Just like Yellowstone. <laughs> Just like Yellowstone. <laughs> I would love to be an observer um, with horseback riding and cattle sorting. I can't mm-hmm. say, I don't know. I, I have like this really weird nervousness around horses. I just feel like they're just so big. And mm-hmm. I, but I love donkeys. So riddle me that. I don't same, know. Same. I, I love, <laughs> I went to the, I'm actually drinking from a mug that I got at the sanctuary, um, the donkey sanctuary in Aruba, uh, speaking about donkeys, but like I was fine there, yeah. but horses for some, maybe horses seem smarter than donkeys, but I could be wrong. It's just, it's just the sheer size, I think. Yeah, yeah. It's got to be that. <laughs> uh, next on the list is the resort at Paws Up in Montana. And I know a lot of advisors who are in the luxury space book Paws Up. Um, mm-hmm. So this is located near Missoula. I've always wanted to say Missoula. Mm-hmm. Not randomly, but for a certain for a particular reason. So in this case, it's for the podcast. Um, so Paws <laughs> Paws Up is an expansive luxury wilderness resort, redefining the notion of a dude ranch. It's located on a 37,000 acre property with more than 100 miles of trails and 20 miles of private riverfront to explore with guides. Paws Up welcomes guests to what they call their private national park. Staying in one of Paws Up's 27 luxury homes or 36 glamping tents, guests can join a wide set of activities with horseback riding being the most popular at the resort's saddle club. Private and group lessons and trail rides are available for all levels of rider with advanced riders able to join in sorting cattle exercises or even a genuine cattle drive across the sprawling property. Um, Some of the other activities at the resort include ATV rides, canoeing, skeet shooting and archery, e-bike and mountain bike tours, fly fishing. Um, Guests can recover from the activities in the resort spa, yoga classes and fitness center. And then fuel up for more adventure with fine dining at the Pomp Restaurant, casual meals at Trough, and outdoor barbecues at the Chuck Wagon. That's the one I hear about the most. And partly why I thought this would be a good article to discuss is because people do get, like, I feel like the information about dude ranches isn't as easily accessible as other things. Mm-hmm. Like, you get a request for I this, agree. you don't even know where to start. If right. I get a request for this, I say... No, <laughs> let me refer you to someone else. <laughs> Number four on the list is Sea Lazy U Ranch in Colorado. It's about two and a half hours outside of Denver, Denver amidst high alpine meadows and rolling hills near Rocky Mountain National Park. Daily horseback riding activities include lessons for all abilities, including an indoor arena during inclement weather. 
the pick of 200 horses and trail rides across the 8,500-acre property. Guests can compete in the ranch's Shodio, a family-friendly rodeo-style set of events to show off their horsemanship. That sounds fun. The ranch's non-horse activities include hiking, biking, a ropes course, tennis, shooting, paddle boating, fly fishing, jeep riding, and more. Spa services and yoga classes are available. And the ranch also offers beehive tours complete with full bee suits and honey samples. Ooh, they I like have, that. Yeah. 38 luxury cabins on the ranch, ranging from one to three bedrooms, including bunk bed children's rooms. All are within close walking distance of the main lodge where gourmet meals are paired with wines and are part of the all-inclusive program. Family-friendly meals are served in a communal setting for breakfast and lunch, while dinners provide kids-only dining areas to give parents some quiet time. Perfect. Last on the list is White Stallion Ranch in Arizona. The family-owned and operated ranch features 43 guest rooms in traditional Southwest style on the outskirts of Tucson, Arizona, amidst 3,000 acres of cactus and sagebrush horseback riding terrain. They boast one of the largest herds of horses in Arizona, so they can find the right horse for guests from a docile trail walker, that's for me, to an energetic galloping steed eager to sprint toward the sunset. White Stallion offers lessons to both beginners and experienced riders, including cattle petting exercises for aspiring cowboys and cowgirls, and weekly rodeos to watch the experts do it. Those less curious about a future in wrangling can join their wine and cheese rides or the beer and cheese rides. Oh, oh, that's the one for me. <laughs> and enjoy a relaxing picnic in a stunning desert setting. For meals, the ranch grills hearty outdoor barbecues along with a la carte meals in their restaurant. After which guests gather in their Western bar, catch a movie in their small theater, or shoot pool in the rec room. A heated outdoor pool, hot tub, tennis courts, rock climbing, a shooting range, and spa services complete the resort side of the White Stallion Dude Ranch experience. By the way, this article would make a mighty fine um, social media post if you wanted to get your family clients thinking about their next vacation. Mm-hmm. Also, I was thinking, when I took, I took a webinar, I think it was a couple years ago, it was during the pandemic, it was a webinar on dude and guest ranches. And the, per, the instructor was saying how dude ranch experiences were super popular amongst international tourists. Can you imagine coming over from like Japan and being like, I'm staying at a dude ranch and how American that entire experience would feel you're just a cowboy, a cowgirl being able to do all of that. I just thought it was super cool. People imagine, you know, you know, we always think about what's it, what it's like to be a Parisian or what it's like to be Greek or something. You want to have that classic experience. People from other Some countries just want here, to be a cowboy. Yep. This is what I want. This is the American West. Yep. And it's also popular with like meetings and incentive groups. Mm-hmm. There's nowhere to run. Yeah. <laughs> nowhere to run. You must stay here for all business meetings. We know where to find you. <laughs> Our next article is from Travel Age West. And it says, Alma Waterways announces additional soulful Epicurean experience cruises. So Alma recently announced three new dates for its soulful Epicurean Epicurean experience itineraries, which are designed to celebrate the history of the African and Black diaspora. 
After the successful announcement of the initial sailings, which will take place on the Rhone River in August, two new June departure dates have been added to this program. In addition, a first ever itinerary in Egypt on board the Amadalia sails from Cairo on May 17, 2024. Why does this matter? The Soulful Epicurean Experience itineraries are groundbreaking programs for river cruising, and their success is a sign that there is great interest and opportunity in what has traditionally been an overlooked market. It says here that these special experiences invite travelers to discover and celebrate important aspects of Black history and culture unique to each destination. The new cruises in France are part of the Colors of Provence itinerary, which includes three nights in Paris. The program in Egypt is on the Secrets of the Egypt and the Nile sailing, which starts and ends in Cairo. And I will say, I feel like Ama Waterways is a company that is very forward thinking Mm-hmm. And they are not afraid to try new things to reach new markets. Yep. I was on a fan with Ama last March during their tulip time sailing, and they were um, there were other travel advisors on board, and they were specifically doing a marketing campaign to reach out to more diverse guests. So yep. that way they can, you know, their marketing pieces will reach more and different people, different demographics. And so having these itineraries, it really does reach people who might be interested in going to Europe, but you know, they might not know how to do Europe a certain way, or this just provides additional education to really look into black history. So for example, one of their itineraries takes them into the Colors of Provence, for example, the Seven Night Colors of Provence itinerary. It starts or ends with a three-night land package in Paris where many famous Black artists, writers, and, and entertainers made history. While exploring the City of Light, travelers will dive deep into Black culture during a specially curated Josephine Baker excursion in a Black History of Paris City tour. So something that's super interesting, super educational, that really looks into the history of, you know, oftentimes black Americans in Europe. Yep. I think it's, I'm really excited to see outreach like this. Look, you know, looking for those new markets, because if you look at a river cruise brochure, usually you're only going to see one very specific type of person, same color, same age bracket, same everything. So um, I'm excited to see that this took off and that it is expanding personally. I agree. We need to see younger people in their marketing yes. as well. Yes, absolutely. Like that I love same age, same everything. Yeah, <laughs> I'm in my 30s. Okay, I love river yeah. cruising. <laughs> Christine Karst, who is the co-founder and executive vice president of Ama Waterways, says. We are fortunate to work with many travel advisors in the Black community who advised and encouraged us to develop these special interest cruises celebrating Black history and culture. As our first soulful Epicurean Experience cruise in France scheduled for 2023 sold out almost immediately, we are proud to give our global family additional opportunities in 2024 to celebrate and appreciate the diverse Black heritage found in France and Egypt. Super creative. I love it. Me too. Last on our list is an opinion piece from Travel Pulse on the trending foodie destinations in Europe. So when you think foodie destinations in Europe, you're probably thinking, you know, Paris or Rome or one of those big 
Barcelona. Iconic. Yeah, Barcelona. <laughs> exactly. This article provides additional foodie destinations that you might not know about. And once again, this is great content for your social media channels. Absolutely. First on the list is Ljubljana, Slovenia. And it says that the capital is the best place to experience the nation's rising gastronomic reputation firsthand, an ascension that has seen the launch of the first ever Michelin Guide to Slovenia in 2020 and the selection of the nation as the 2021 European region of gastronomy. So Ljubljana's diverse range of restaurants, you'll find everything from traditional regional flavors utilized in modern ways to sensational takes on Japanese cuisine, all served up beside some stellar Slovenian wines. Don't leave town without a stop at the historic central market or making a run for a pizza brick, a decadent late night snack loved by the locals. Some of my close friends who have traveled extensively, that's one of their very favorite destinations in general. So I hope to get there someday also, especially if they have a good foodie scene. <laughs> Next on the list is Bordeaux, France. Obviously world famous for its wine, Bordeaux's 21st century regeneration has helped usher in a new era for this historic city in southwestern France with a much-deserved food focus on its remarkable food offerings. In 2023, there is a festival, which I will not try to pronounce, that will become a yearly event, and it has an inner active wine experience. It is easily the world's finest attraction dedicated to the production and cultural history of wine, and they will launch a new exhibit while the city's famed restaurant row of Rue St. Remy will be buzzing once again. Make sure to try local oysters, asparagus, or porcini mushrooms in addition to making a trip out to the nearby coast and or local vineyards for the full Bordeaux experience. So, side note, whenever I travel someplace and I find a food that I really love, and uh, in the past, I'll go back home to the States and then I'll just crave whatever really good thing I tried while abroad. So now, whether or not it's a great idea, it's not a great idea. Just spoiler alert. I try to eat as much as as much of the thing that I like as possible. So mm-hmm. I try to make myself sick of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then once I go back home, I just don't think about it. And I've come to find research shows that um, gelato three times a day is still not enough for me to get sick of gelato. <laughs> Research has shown. <laughs> Research has shown. Um, and then when I was in Spain, I had a beer in ham every single day, at least mm-hmm. once a day. And I was like, you know, by now I should be sick of it. But no, I wake up the next morning and I'm like, oh, you know what would be so good right now? Some Iberian ham. To the point where by the time I left to go home, my joints were so inflamed from, I don't know, whatever nitrates or whatever it is in that cured me. I was like, this is not good for me. Thank God I brought some probiotics on this trip with me this time. But yeah, I'm still kind of thinking I want some beer and ham right now. Yeah. So we are going to Italy, Greece, Croatia, but flying into Barcelona and staying two nights just to eat because I'm obsessed with fidewa, which is (laughs) paella, except maybe these little vermicelli noodles that are so good. So uh, I will also be getting into some Iberico ham and a huge dish of fidewa. 
And if anyone tries to fight me and order paella, that's fine. But I will be like that. I don't touch paella. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. It's so funny because, like, I was sending photos of a ham to, uh, to my husband uh, every day. And he's like, I don't mean to rain on your parade. But I'm like, everything you're saying after this, I don't really care. He's like, if there's a lot of salt, I'm like, I don't care. Like, I don't eat this Meat sweats home. every night, baby. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I'm only here for a week and a half, okay? Let me just enjoy life for a How second. much damage could you do? <laughs> not not enough. Not enough. Um, next city on the list is Berlin in Germany. It, it's a 24-7 city, and this article says you'll find plenty of tasty bites here, too. It's one of Europe's great street food destinations, and you'll find everything from classics like falafel and kebabs, as they say in the UK, uh, to new school Asian and American-inspired dishes being served up hot at the city's food halls and sidewalk stalls. The German capital has also picked up a reputation as a great destination for lovers of vegan and vegetarian fare. Listen, all I want is schnitzel and spetzel. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) I like a lot of German, German food. Uh, Next up is Stockholm, Sweden, and it says, while foodies have been fawning over Copenhagen's new Nordic scene for a large chunk of the 2000s, Scandinavian neighbor Stockholm has been patiently waiting for its time to shine, and that time is now. It's been declared the 2023 European capital of gastronomy, and we'll see a full calendar of food-focused events take place throughout the year that showcases Sweden's culinary prowess and ingredients. So there will be festivals dedicated to beer, yeah, wine, pastry, and chocolate. There'll be chefs' competitions and special menus inspired by Sweden's regions. And it says, don't leave town without visiting one of the city's hip food halls or the historic Ostermal Market Hall, which dates back to 1888, but under, underwent a complete renovation in 2020. Last on the list is Turin, Italy. More and more food lovers are cottoning on. That's what it says in the article. Um, I'm going to have to Google the definition of that. Uh, To the fact that Italy is so stacked with gastronomic delights, so blessed with an embarrassment of foodie riches that they can go off the beaten path without leaving the eaten path (laughs) for a second. The capital of the Piedmont region in the northwest part of the country, this grand city is often overlooked, but rewards those who visit by giving them the ability to sample countless signature dishes of the region without leaving the city limits. A sampling of the things you're bound to enjoy during your trip to Turin are polenta, risotto, Mm. decadent bagna cauda, truffles, and scores of regional cheeses and chocolate-based delights, including a creamy chocolate and coffee drink called Picharin. I'll have to look that up later too. And this is to say nothing of Piedmont's gift to the world of wine, Barolo, which I love. Well, that just made my stomach growl. And I am headed to, after Barcelona, then Bologna. And I guess Bologna is a big foodie destination. So yes. I'm looking for oh a food tour. If anyone has any recommendations, restaurants, food tours, whatever, please DM us at the Tin Lounge and tell me what it is because I plan to just, I guess I'm just going to be doing a lot of eating. You, you must eat bolognese sauce in Bologna. Like the okay. best tagliatella bolognese I had in Bologna. And that was what I wish I had stuffed my face with more when I was there because I have not stopped thinking about that since 
2018. It's Listen, been many, many years. I help you out. I will go stuff my face with it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Are we ready for some excess baggage? Oh, yeah. It's time for excess baggage, which is a speed round of headlines that are pretty self-explanatory, so you can learn a lot in just a couple of minutes. According to Travel Market Report, more than 7 in 10 travel advisors say clients prefer all-inclusive cruise pricing. Advisors said that all-inclusive pricing, particularly including Wi-Fi, onboard entertainment and attractions, drinks, and gratuities, also makes it significantly easier for them to sell. They also report that Walt Disney World has become a culinary destination, so much so that two of its signature restaurants recently earned placement on the Michelin Guide. The first is Victoria and Albert's, and the second is Toledo. An article from Travel Age West says that part-time travel agents make up a third of the travel advisor workforce. Travel Weekly reports that Travel Weekly's Magellan Awards are now accepting entries for 2023. Every segment of the industry has an opportunity to share their creativity, ingenuity, and success. Another one from them says that Club Med has scrapped plans to develop its Club Med, Club Med Utah Mountain Resort, which was to be the brand's first new all-inclusive in the U.S. in more than 20 years. Travel Pulse reports that TSA and Clear are looking to initiate a single application process. Afar says that after scrapping the need for U.S. visitors to obtain a tourist visa this past fall, Japan now plans to do away with its remaining pandemic-era travel regulations. According to Travel Agent Central, a digital passport pilot program is beginning at Aruba's International Airport. This innovation will soon allow travelers to Aruba to fulfill government immigration requirements before boarding their flight with their ready-to-fly status being confirmed invisibly in the background. And our high note today is also from Travel Agent Central. Turks and Caicos has lifted all COVID-19 entry requirements as of April 1st. And that's it for Excess Baggage. Just a reminder that all the articles we referenced today can be found in the show notes. Please remember that we didn't write the news, we're just sharing it. If you've enjoyed the episode, please subscribe, leave a review, and or share the show. Also, head on over to our Facebook and Instagram pages, which are both both under the Tin Lounge. We'll link them in the show notes. Have any questions, comments, or just want to say hello or share your food wrecks in Bologna with Kareem, mm-hmm. please shoot us a DM or email us at hello at the tinlounge.com. We'll see you all next week. Bye. Cause no one can do it like we do it, like we do it, like we do it.